0: Hi, I'm Carlyn Holbrook. I'm a John Maxwell Team certified coach, teacher, trainer, speaker, published author, and influencer with more than 25 years of global leadership experience. If there's one thing I've seen firsthand time and time again, it's that the best leaders inspire others to follow their purpose and their passions, while the influence of a bad leader can literally tear down people's potential. Join me for a few sips of leadership tips that will help you become a better leader by first conquering the hardest person to lead, you. Mm. So I was in a Starbucks a couple of weeks ago, and I love that they're bringing back the 90s, because that's when I was in high school, and so it definitely takes me back. And I was sitting there, and I was working on my computer, and I heard the miseducation of Miss Laurel Hill, Lauren Hill, the come on um, over the loudspeaker. Specifically, it was that that song, That Thing, and it's such an earworm. Um, So I'm going to, well, I'm not going to do it justice, but it's the one that that goes, Girls, you know you better watch out. Some guys, some guys are only about that thing, that thing, that thing that thing that... Okay, you get it, right? And and to be fair, she also has a verse that says, guys, you better watch out. You know, girls are only about... Anyway, that album, um, I had to remind myself, when did that come out? Okay, so it was 1998. I was 22 years old. And I was working in entertainment at Disneyland. So it's fun how like these songs can just transport you right back to where you were in life and just, oh man, you know, like what you were thinking at the time, when you heard that song at the time, when that album came out, all that stuff. So I was just thinking about like the title of the album too. I remember that was a real big breakthrough um, because I know like she got a lot of heat. She was in the Fugees and she got a lot of heat from black rappers. I remember at the time we were like, this is a black guys game. Like it's our game. Get out girl. And she, this was a very feminist-forward kind of album. And I just remember there was a lot of controversy. And then not controversy like it is today, but, I mean, it was. It was, like, new and different and, and fresh, and people didn't all take to it so well. And I was thinking about the miseducation and kind of led me into thinking about today's environment and, wow, we're miseducated about everything, I feel like, these days. And people love the word misinformation. And I just think of it more as different opinions or yeah there's people out there that put wrong stuff on the internet and I don't know why we all get so up in arms about everything because, you know, I've known people prior to internet days that just like to make crap up and that's just who they are. You just have to, again, not cool, but you have to discern if you're going to believe or not. Like there's accountability back on you to be like, am I going to listen to that person? Am I going to take that in? Am I going to agree with that? Um, Maybe I need to go do my own homework. I wish more people thought like that these days. We wouldn't be so up in arms and trying to cancel everybody. Um, pretty sure a lot more people back in the day, um, and maybe even like Lauren Hill. She said some pretty controversial things. Maybe she'd been canceled nowadays, which is a shame to think about. But um, I was also thinking about this whole notion of collaboration. So collabs are a thing. Um, hopefully a lot of you listening is familiar with this thing called social media. And um, you can do collabs now on Instagram. You can invite somebody else to... You know, do a post together and um, essentially post on, you know, the content that you're creating. And then they can post on their channel and you can put on your channel. And it it shows up as like both this person and this person are sharing this. It's kind of cool. You can also do duets and and clubs and stuff on TikTok. So it's so cool how technology has done this. But, you know, musicians have done this forever. Musicians have um, recorded things in different parts of the world and collabed uh, from a music perspective. For a long time. Like this isn't a new thing, but it's a new it's a new form of medium um, and media that we are doing this on. I think it's it's pretty awesome. And then ironically, for some reason, there are a lot of leaders out there that think collaboration means only being in person. So I was looking up the definition of collaboration. I was like, okay, really? Is this about being in person? Let's find out. So on the on the Great Webster's dictionary, definition of collaboration is simply the action of working with someone to produce or create something, period. It doesn't say anything about how this happens, where this happens. You have to be in person to collaborate or not. And I feel like people are throwing around the word collaboration in the name of, let's get back into an office environment, an in-person environment, because we collaborate better that way. When clearly the world is going the opposite direction and giving us more and more tools and resources to collaborate virtually. Zoom's been around a while, but man, did it just like burst out during, you know, COVID times, right? So we have that. There are collaboration tools where you can use whiteboards and you can brainstorm virtually. It's really cool. We've had telephones for a long time now, and you can pick up the phone and talk to someone virtually, and brainstorm, and collab, and throw around ideas. This isn't new, and I don't know. I just I see so much in so many companies thinking like that. That's a good reason to say we're going back the opera, the office to collaborate. And what hurts my heart even more is I feel like, well, in global companies especially, and so many big companies especially out there are global. By saying things like that, you're actually discounting members of the team that aren't in your physical work environment. So, I mean, for me, example, I have team members both in California and Florida. So for me, for me, if I was a leader to say, we're going to go back to the office so we can collaborate, now I've just discounted everybody on my team in California and vice versa. I've said, just because I sit in Florida, now it's more important here that we collaborate here in person. I hope you guys are seeing my point here, like how dangerous this kind of terminology can be. And and I think that leaders are running out of reasons why they want to send people back to an office environment. But don't use ones that are really going to alienate other people. The other people you're discounting is if you work in a global organization, you're discounting anybody that's not physically like in your building or in your office or in your environment You're discounting all of the creative brains around the world. You're discounting potentially consultants or partners that you can bring in to help, you know, lead and facilitate creative brainstorming and collaboration sessions. I mean, so it really can be a very polarizing term, in my opinion, and it's all about how you define what that looks like. And so anyway, I just think, and I think probably if you've listened to any number of my podcasts, you know my uh, feelings about physical work environments versus virtual work environments. Um, I feel like there's, you know, people say they believe in science. Science is often logic. Science is not always right, as we know, Um, but it's, it's, it's a progress, it's a progression, right? Like, what we know today is maybe not what we're gonna know six months from now, a year from now, whatever. But what we know of today is that for the last almost three years, people a lot of people have worked virtually and done it very effectively and they've collaborated and they've had creative brainstorms and um it's it's worked for the most part now somebody listening might argue oh maybe it hasn't so there's probably some reasons for that though right I know it's a different thing so I'm gonna jump on into sips before we get too long and before I get two on my soapbox about some of these things, that thing. Just kidding. Um, All right, sip number one. Maybe it's not that collaboration is better in person. Maybe it's that you are more comfortable with it in person because remote collaboration might be new to you. So I just really want to pause on that one for leaders to really assess where your definition of collaboration comes from. Does it come from the fact of this is the way we always did it before? Does it come from the fact that, oh, man, when I'm in person with my team, it's fun, it's energetic, it's a different kind of energy, we all are focused together, et cetera? I get it. I totally get that. But is that truly what's fostering collaboration or is it the connections that you have with your team members? Because I remember a time when we were constantly in conference you know, rooms together, not everybody's engaged. People are on their computers multitasking. People are zoning out, not paying attention. Unhealthy teams are unhealthy teams, whether they're virtual or in person. If people want to be engaged, they, it doesn't matter what the, meaning, the mechanism is. I think people who are a little bit of control freaks or maybe don't completely trust feel like, well, if they're in our room, I can look at them in the face and I can force them to be collaborative. Is that really what you want from your team? You want to force them to be collaborative? You want to force them into a space that makes you more comfortable? Wouldn't you want to find out, like, what makes them more comfortable? I get that, you know, being virtual or in multiple locations, remote, whatever that means, you have to be intentional. As leaders, we do have to be more intentional, I mean, I personally feel like I'm just as connected to my California team as I, I am to my Florida team. I don't feel any difference, especially because we've been mostly remote for so long. I feel like we're all on the same playing field, right? We we all have the same Now, we have the capability to go meet in person more often, sure. But it doesn't one it doesn't mean it always happens with schedules and we're all working and doing so much and when it does yeah it's wonderful and it's fun and it's engaging but i can also create that environment virtually i just have to be intentional about it as well and then make those times when you do get together in person very intentional as well and it does and being in person to me it's way more fun to be in a coffee shop or a restaurant or you know some kind of like creative environment as opposed to kind of forcing it's like the old notion of forced fun nobody wants to do Icebreakers and exercises if it feels super forced. But if you put an activity in front of people and say, hey, have at it or not, if you want to hang out, drink, great. If you want to go bowling, great. It's okay. Whatever works for you, whatever makes you feel comfortable and how you can better connect with people, I'm going to see you and I'm going to meet you where you are. That's what real leadership does. There's no one size fits all, there's no such thing. And that kind of leads me into my second sip. Sip two. Find out how your team works best individually. What is it? When are they at their best creatively? Like what time of day even? So it's time of day, physical environment, and also how do they collaborate best? You know, again, what what works best for them and lean into that and stop worrying about is it equitable amongst all? I see so many leaders that get so concerned about equity. Um, equality, equity, whatever. You can throw those words around all you want. The reality is when you're leading people, it does need to be situational. And I know that that's an old Ken Blanchard, John Maxwell, you know, they talk about it back in the day, but it's true. We are such wonderfully unique individuals. There's no one size fits all in terms of leadership for you. There just isn't. And I think where where leaders get really nervous about not being equitable equal whatever with all their teams is because they don't want to hear anybody else from another team or from their own team go why do they get this and I don't and then and then leaders get so worried about it so they just want to go okay like everybody just this maybe as a leader you need to be a freaking leader and just say hey you don't worry about that person I, you and I, this is our conversation, and we're going to talk about what your needs are, what what environment works best for you, how can I help you? Stop worrying about the other person. That's what real leadership does, is they step into that, and then they don't, they push back on people who are like, why do they get to? What are you twelve? Like, can we stop whining about what other people do get and don't get? Besides, you don't know their story. You're not walking a mile in that person's shoes. Like, let it go. Stop bothering. It's just a waste of energy. All right, last sip, sip number three. We love collaboration. It's a good thing. But as humans, what do we always love to do? We love to swing the pendulum either really far one way or the other. We suck at balance, let's just be honest. And I think that can be a danger with collaboration too. I think you can easily get overly collaborative and overly like have 50,000 stakeholders weigh in on everything And then who's making the final call? Analysis paralysis is a very popular old term, but it's true. You can sit and spin and to all of those, you know, different ways we could do this or wordsmith things till the cows come home and all, but you, at the end of the day, you do need to know where the accountability lies, but it's more than accountability because I really actually hate the word accountability. Like I know that we need to hold ourselves accountable, but I think sometimes in a, in a work environment that word gets thrown around and it sounds more like we need to know who's accountable, so we need to know who to blame when shit hits the fan or when something goes wrong. And that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is who is like the project lead? Who is the someone who is – at the end of the day, the the tiebreaker, the final decision maker on something um, because you do need to, you know, put a stake in the ground. You know, you do need at some point, like, and I know I'm using like 100,000 different buzzwords in corporate jargon. My apologies. I need more coffee. But you do need to know um, so you don't collaborate, collaborate, and not make a decision. I think there does still need to be someone who's going to go, okay, this is, I'm leading this session, and this is where we have netted it out and this is what we're moving forward on and it's really important to make sure you always know who has that responsibility in anything that you're brainstorming collaborating on discussing you know coming together on that's important to know that otherwise you'll never get to the final final thing so i mean ultimately when we just think about collaboration just don't lead your team from a place of miseducation you know talk to your team Find out what they're about, how they work best, what they need to lead fulfilled personal and professional and integrated lives, and what collaboration can look like for them and for your team and for all of you. Make that your leadership thing, that thing, that thing. And I know you'll go far. Thank you for having a cup of coffee with me. For more sips and tips, connect with me on social and follow Leader Sips on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. And don't forget to visit my website, carlinholbrook.com. Until next time, keep on brewing.